Well, good evening. How are you? It's an honor to be here with you tonight and to have this time to minister to you and to minister with you. I always love to be here with you guys. Your praise is unbridled. It's just free and it's liberating and it uh, goes straight to the throne and where it should be. It's hard to come out of it, isn't it? Do you know why it's hard to come out of worship? It's when you tap into eternity, there's no end to it. It's hard to stop. Amen. And you guys are blessed to be a house of his presence and a people of his presence and a people of his power and also a people of his purpose. And it's just a rich honor to me to be able to be here tonight instead for uh, Pastor Kevin and Devin. And I hope that they're resting and, and being ministered to by the Lord themselves. But I don't know of any greater honor, Pastor Rick, that you can have in ministry but to stand in somebody's pulpit when they're not there. And so we want to take that very carefully and very seriously. And I hope that the word ministers to you. I'm sure that we'll have an opportunity to respond and to move in that direction. But Anna, I told you yesterday as I talked to you on the phone that uh, the Lord just started dropping something in my spirit and something in my heart uh, for you. And the Lord says, you have waited patiently. You've been steadfast and you've been true. And the Lord himself remembers you and he thinks often of you. And there's things that you have learned to set to the side just to wait upon. And even we're good to say if they don't come to pass, that's fine. But I still believe that you're good. The Lord would want me to say to you that things are getting ready to come to pass. Things are getting ready to shore up. Things are getting ready to happen. There's been a time that your faith was even stunted some years ago. It just some things happened that discouraged and disappointed there. But the Lord says, I shall not disappoint. And my hope does not disappoint because you placed your hope in me. You anchored yourself in those seasons. And that was the mean time. That was the mean wow. We use that word flippantly or just easily at times, meantime, but that was a mean time having to wait on the Lord. But the Lord says, you set an anchor in that time. The Lord says, but I'm pulling the anchor in and I'm getting ready to send the winds and I'm getting ready to send the resources to be able to move you forward to the things that you hope for that at one time became disappointment. I shall fulfill, says the Lord. You will see what you've dreamed of. You will see what you cried for. You shall see these things come to pass and you shall see them perform, says the Lord. But I say to you, there's a, there's a power in your hand and the outstretching of your hand. And I remind you that there's a gift of healing inside of you. I'm healing some things inside of you of the sufferings and the pains that you've gone through, but I'm taking away anything that is barren in your heart, your soul, your spirit, or even your body. And I'm restoring all things says the Lord, but there will be power coming out of you as that which comes to you. I grace you, my love. I grace you, my child. I grace you, my friend. I declare that you're in your bridehood and we are going to walk in a way that you've only dreamed of before. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 2, John chapter 2, and I'm going to give him the booth just a second. I've got to go to John chapter 3 to kind of lay a little groundwork here for you, just one verse. I want to tie some words together, and I forgot to give them that verse, but John chapter 3, verse 2. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word, to minister your truth, Lord. Father, we thank you that we're living in a day where the famine of the word of God has been broken. And Lord, that your word is moving mightily, is moving powerfully, and it shall perform and accomplish what is needed to be done. May we have ear to hear what the Spirit is about ready to say to the church. And Lord, may your word have free course in our lives. And may your word accomplish and perform tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. John chapter 2. John chapter 3 first. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. Notice that. The Pharisees literally had a messenger come in the middle of the night. He slipped out. Didn't want anybody to see that he was drawing nearer to Jesus, trying to seek him, trying to find him. He wasn't hard to find because the light's easy to find in darkness, amen? And he slid in there and he acknowledged, we know, we know that you come from God. We know that. We're, we're not arguing that. Why? Because there's evidence. Friends, I want, the first thing I want to say, there's coming a new level of evidence on the church, a new level of evidence. I stand before you tonight somewhat in a forerunner perspective to speak a few things of what are already being developed in this house, what are already being produced in this house, that have already been invested in this house and conceived in this house that are getting ready to come to pass. You're hearing from a little bit different voice tonight to affirm and confirm things that are getting ready to shortly, quickly, for surely come to pass. There is going to be an evidence of the power of God. There are going to be signs and wonders and miracles. What you have seen is nothing compared to what you're about to see in the day that you're living in. Stay the course. Endure. Persevere. Don't drift away. Don't fall away. Press in. I go with Pastor Ryan. I commend you for being here. There are people who are going to want to be here on Wednesday night. They're going to start asking the pastor if they can be here on Thursday night, if they can be here on Tuesday night, if they can be here any night. I don't know the direction of the performance of what's going to take place, but there's going to come such a manifestation in this house, and not just house, this house, but houses such as this house. He said, we know, we know, teacher, that you are one who has come from God, for no one can do these signs, no one can do these signs that you do unless, except, with no exception, God is with him. Now, therein lies the mystery of manifested glory. Therein lies the mystery of supernatural ministry. I don't know about you, but I crave for it. I desire it. Uh, this is what I do know. I stand before you as a minister of the fivefold offices of the church to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're in a church that has just led you through prophetic teaching every Wednesday night and stirring up and quickening. What? Equipping you to be a prophetic people. It's not as hard as you would think. It's just hearing and obeying. It's saying what you're told to be said, not what you're not told to be said. And literally, that you exhort, edify, and comfort other people. That you stir them up with the word of the Lord that he's given you. But to realize the greatest mystery of the supernatural is what he said in verse 2. No one can do these signs. No one can do these signs unless, with no exception, that God is with him. Notice when you read in your scripture, when he said no one can do the signs you do, it's capitalized, which we know means Jesus. But then when he says, unless God is with him, it's lowercase h, which includes you and me. Jesus introduced this ministry. Jesus' name came forth 
He is Jesus, the Son of God, who takes away the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. His name should be called Jesus. He'll save us from our sins. And he shall be known as Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus exemplified, portrayed, gave us the example of what life could be like if we did it with God and if God was with us. He wants an Emmanuel upon your life and upon my life. It's the same thing as walking in the Spirit, for God is a Spirit. It's the same thing of being led by the Spirit, being obedient to God and go where God wants to be, but allowing God to be God through your life. When Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, he simply got into a conversation with her and he said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you. Now, I've read the story over and over again. The disciples had gone to McDonald's to get a happy meal. Nobody was there but Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, I'm not encouraging that kind of ministry because we learn to go two by two. But Jesus is ministering to this woman at the well. But he's speaking in third person as if there was somebody else there. Well, if you read it again, you'll understand. The third person was speaking. Jesus was speaking in the spirit. The Holy Spirit was speaking to the woman. Unless the Spirit draws people to Jesus, they can't accept Jesus. Unless Jesus leads to the Father, you can't experience the Father. So the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that dwells in us, that dwelt in Jesus, was speaking through Jesus to that woman. And he said, listen, sis, if you knew who this guy really was, you would have asked him, and he would have given you what you and I have inside of us. Rivers of living water. Listen, everything lives where the river flows. You see, our preaching is here to prime the pump, to get it flowing. Our worship starts pulling from the deep, calls unto deep. There's a river inside of us. There's a river inside of the church, and he's trying to pull that out so that we could pour out the Spirit. He said, in the last days, I will pour out My spirit, the spirit of God dwells inside of me and inside of you and inside of us. And he's looking for those who allow the spirit to live through them. And then and there we will see signs that will lead to wonders that will be accompanied with miracles. A sign, it's a token or it's a mark, not just of what is, but of what is to come. Jesus' life was a sign, not just of what was, but of what was to come. And so when he would teach lessons with signs, their unique little stories that would, that would allow them to, to get a special lesson accompanied with a miracle. When something would happen, he was teaching, this can keep happening. This is what's going to happen. Let's go to John chapter 2. We'll pick up in verse 1. On the third day, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Somebody say, the mother of Jesus. Now, I'm going to step off of theology for just a moment, and that's safe being I told you did, but I wanted to title this message, the mother of Jesus, because I want you to know that you and I should be impregnated with the word of God. 
And Mary released Jesus to do the miraculous. And you ought to consider yourself the mother of Jesus for just a little while and realize that I want to travail. I want to labor. I want to push until Jesus comes out of me and does the miraculous and does the supernatural and brings forth the eternal effect of God in somebody's stranded situation of their life. The mother of Jesus that we should birth the works of this hour. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited at the wedding. Travel with me for this a little bit. You go back just one chapter. It says on the third day, and sometimes we look for prophetic things, and there's a lot of prophetic things to say about the third day that could be in this lesson of what Jesus is getting ready to give us here. But the reality is here, it simply was the third day. The third day of what? John the Baptist, the chapter before, he looked at to his disciples and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then on the next day, verse 29, he said to them, Behold, the Lamb of God. He said to them, There's Jesus, the one who can save you from your sins, the one I've been preaching and teaching to you, that you should hear him, you should see him, and you should follow him. There he is. And then the very next day, day two, He said, behold the Lamb of God. Listen to me. What you and I behold is what we become. Look intently into Jesus. He released his disciples. He said, there he is. There he is. There he is. Don't take your eyes off of him. Your sins are forgiven. You dealt with that yesterday. Now move on. And so here we are, third day. These two guys start following Jesus. They're getting so close to him. They're following him. And all of a sudden, he turns around and he literally says to them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Wouldn't that be a sweet place to be at? With Jesus, then he turns to you. He recognizes that you're following him. Not that you're pulling on him to get to where you are, but you're following him wherever he's going. And he turns around and he says, what do you want? What is it you desire? And they said, Rabbi, they approached him teachable. They said, Rabbi, where where do you dwell? Where's your crib? Where's your pad? Where's your home? There's something different about you. How do you come out every day doing this kind of stuff? And I think he taught them of the habitation of God. And they get there. And then they go tell a brother. They tell them, there's at least four of them now with Jesus. So Jesus has four new friends. He's like, oh, I've got an invitation to a wedding of a friend of my mom's. Mom, see if my friends can come. So Jesus shows up at a wedding with four friends. Wouldn't you like to be one of those four friends? You see, we follow by desire. So as you're following, you can desire further than where you are right now. I want to go places with you where you do things. I want to not just go places where you did them and study them historically, but I want to go to those places where you're doing them and make history. I want to be a difference maker in somebody else's life. Listen, if you pack up Jesus and you take Jesus where you're going, it'll change a few things. But if you pack up and go with Jesus, it'll change anything and everything. Amen? 
And so they show up at a wedding. Have you ever wondered why a miracle at a wedding? It's simple. He was invited. Wherever you and I invite Jesus, there is a greater possibility of signs, wonders, and miracles. There's a greater possibility of healings and deliverances and resurrections. There's a greater possibility where he is than where he's not. Amen? So they invited him. In verse 3... It says, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. Now, we have to stop for a moment and consider what wine represents. Wine represents the Holy Spirit. Wine represents, it can represent the blood also. There's no real life of the party anymore. There's no good spirits anymore. There's nothing that can, that can take this to another level. It's starting to run out and run low. There's no color on the scene. There, there's, there's nothing that can bring a greater sense of life and power. In other words, they're saying there's no healing. There's no deliverances. There's no prophecies. Because we know the Holy Spirit carries that, right? We know the Holy Spirit represents. There's, there's a flow that comes with the Holy Spirit. I told a story the other day, I can't remember exactly where I was, but years ago I was in California preaching for my friend, and afterwards there was a, a, a church picnic at the city park, and you need to understand in California where the weather's always good and the backyards are really small, everybody goes to the park on Sundays. And so I got to this park and I thought, where were all these people at church? Why weren't they at church this morning, you know, but man, there's a lot more people here now. And I walked up, and I saw some people from the church, and my son saw a little thing going on underneath the pavilion, a little bit beyond where the, the curtain wall would be right there. And, and, and they're were, were 11 and 12, but they're pretty good-sized boys. Our older ones are 30 and 29 now. And, and they said, Dad, they said, can we go down there? They saw a pinata. You ever seen a pinata? They saw a pinata, and they saw some people lined up, and I thought, well, that must be the children's pastor from the church. They must have been there earlier this morning. So I sent them down there, and I watched them from a distance, and they went up to the teacher, to the leader, and the, the lady kind of shook her head, and, and she escorted them to the back of the line. And those little children were just kind of trying to find that pinata. I thought, hmm, my boys can sniff better than that. And lo and behold, nobody had broken it. And they went up, and I can't remember which, which, which one went first, but one of them slammed that pinata, it split in half. The other one dove on the ground and raked in the can. They came back with it tucked up, curled in their, their T-shirts. And I said, boys, that's incredible. Good job. I said, what was the lady talking to you about? He said, oh, that's somebody's birthday party. They don't go to church here. <laughs> well, friends, I'm not cutting in on your birthday party right now. But what's the purpose of a pinata? It's to be broken. Broken for what? So everybody can have a gift to go home. I've said this at four or five churches. I, you can, I don't say it everywhere. There's a pinata that hangs over, hangs over this house. Somebody needs to grab hold of that terminology. Are we going to break it? It isn't just meant for the man of the hour of faith and power. It's meant for the church. The Spirit gives it severally as He will. The closer you walk in His will, the more opportunity and privilege you'll get to have gifts of the Spirit in your life. If He gives them severally as He wills, the will of God is the place to find the gifts. 
I believe there's a pinata hanging over us tonight. I believe there's something meant to be broken through praise, through worship, through obedience. That's where I want to get to tonight, obedience. She's concerned. The mother is concerned. There's no wine. There's no wine. He said to her, he said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. She, in other words, is saying, you are my concern. I've nurtured you. I've raised you. I've ministered to you. I've taught you. I've carried you. I've been with you. I've stayed with you. I've provided for you. I've covered you. I need to let you go. It's time to release Jesus. Do you remember what Mary said? She said, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, let it be unto me. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now she's releasing the Spirit of God. Jesus had walked victoriously, triumphantly, righteously. But she is releasing him into his supernatural ministry. The mother of Jesus. Living for the hour. I don't know that we have any more time to live for the season or for another season or even for another day. I think we need to learn to live in the hour. Matter of fact, if you look at the history of time and where we lie, when Job prophesied the last days and we're still talking about the last days, I think we've missed something. When Peter already said, this is what Joel said. 4,000 years, a day with the Lord is like 1,000 years, 1,000 years is like a day, 4,000 years in the Old Testament, 2,000 some years in the New Testament. That's six. We might not just be in the last days. I think we've moved into the end times. We don't have time for days. We don't have time for seasons. Jesus throughout the scripture lived for the hour. Lived for the moment. Our obedience needs to be much more accurate, not just pursued. We must live in the moment. What God is looking for in this hour is available, willing, obedient vessels. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you. But I was flying out to Dallas, Texas, and I read a book, and I read the book uh, called No Compromise, Keith Green, written by his wife, Melody Green. I ended up on the floor in a weeping fetal position, intercession, weeping over the premature death of Keith Green is what I felt. For an hour, hour and a half, I closed the book just weeping, curled up in a ball, intercession. Let me say something to you, prophetic church. The greatest, purest sense of the prophetic will come through intercession. When you not just hear God, but you feel God. You sense God and you feel what it means to God. Anybody could be an intercessor. How do I know that? Said that when he comes back, we should be like he is. Not like he was. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession. We should be intercessors. Amen. And so I got back, and I flew back from Texas, and I read the book again. And I ended up in the fetal position again. And I'm weeping. I'm crying. I'm lying on the bed, and I, heard, I said, Lord, why? He said, I want you to go lie on Keith Green's grave. Now, I'm the spontaneous one in our family. Gretchen's a little bit more practical, a good bit more practical. 
So I went back into the kitchen. I just flew home from Texas. Keith Green is buried 80 miles away from where I first was lying on the floor. And I wondered, Lord, why didn't you tell me to go then? He said, you didn't ask me. <laughs> Wherever he's invited. Wherever he's invited. I said, Gretchen, I feel like the Lord wants me to go lay on Keith Green's grave. You would think she would somewhat look at me. She said, when are you leaving? She drove me to the airport. I got out, landed that night, got up the next morning, rental car, and drove 80 miles east, right outside of Lindale, Texas, where I knew that Keith Green had said in the book that he was, he was buried there. I got out of the vehicle. I had the Bible in my hands. I opened up the door. And I thought, well, I need to have my quiet time right here, too. And I'm reading the Bible, and I got upon a scripture and in the book of John where it literally says, unless a wheat kernel falls in the ground and dies. Everybody said dies. Unless a wheat kernel falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I thought, that's good. So I went over and got my journal out and wrote it again. You know scripture's good when you rewrite it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm recording it. It's mine. I'm owning it. He's speaking to me about obedience unless it dies. What is the three middle letters of the word obedience? Die. Die. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus died. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He died. So I got out of the vehicle and I looked around and I realized I should have come later in the afternoon because there was Texas dew all over the grass. And I have to lay on the grave. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about grave sucking. That's, I wouldn't go in there and try to pull out some anointing or something like that. Not, not, nothing goofy or kooky like that. This is way before that even kind of stuff came out. But I did think maybe he might pop out of the grave. I did think maybe my hair might get curly and I might write a song or two. I didn't know what was going to happen. But hey, listen. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I ask or think. So you ought to ask a little bit bigger and think a little bit bigger. Come on, somebody. So I started walking. And I got around. I started walking kind of like a half moon shape. And I got around. And, and there's, a, there's a field fence there. And the other side of it is one of those black and white cows. A real one. Not Chick-fil-A or nothing like that. I'm in the country. And it's looking at me like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And, and I started to deal with something that we know as the fear of man. I'm like, quit staring at me. I was starting to feel insecure, challenged, intimidated. Like maybe I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And, 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 and so I went, move, move. I'm trying to talk cow language. And then all of a sudden I realized something. The fear of man is not really another man. It's my fear. Because that's another man. It's a cow. There's a fence. It had no horns. It doesn't eat meat. But I'm experiencing fear, so I've been carrying fear inside of me. So I just kept on walking. I had to die to it. And I walked around, and I thought, I don't know where he's buried. And I never walked off course. I turned around, and I stopped right half moon shape, and I stopped right there. I'm six feet away from a tombstone with the name Keith Green on it. And one of his children on one side and one child on the other side. And I looked at the tombstone. It wasn't R.I.P. 
It wasn't what a great man, good songs. It wasn't carved in there. Unless a wheat kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. Obedience. Obedience. How far will we go? That's what I learned in that moment. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Let's take a moment and break down. It's a Wednesday, so we're going to do a little bit of teaching here, not as much preaching, so just kind of bear with me. Serve ants. If you've read in Proverbs, it says an ant doesn't have to be told what to do. They just do it. I see that in this house. Many people serve like ants. I was here for one night. I was closing out a sabbatical, and I came to spend some time with Bishop Kevin and, 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 and my children. So my children were here at the Wild Ones, and, and I got here, and I, I was standing right there, and all of a sudden these hundreds, if not if multiple hundreds of youth, left the altar after worship, and I thought, my goodness, I thought I went to Mardi Gras. <laughs> this place is just covered with trash, covered with trash. I mean, like... I, I don't know, no idea. And it wasn't like there was candy trash. And all of a sudden, split second, staff members, high-level staff members, support staff. It didn't matter who it was. Nobody told them. And then I'm watching. I'm like, where did it go? Because they all came back. I don't know if they went home and emptied their pockets. I have no idea what they did. But here's my point. What's the difference between a good child and a great child? Is the same difference between a good Christian and a great Christian. It's simple. A good child does what they're told to do. A great child does it without being told. A good Christian will do it when they're told to do it, turn in your Bibles, but a great Christian will turn in their Bibles when nobody's telling them to turn in their Bibles. Like this turn, not like turn it in. Serve like an ant. Serve. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, and he said there you will do greater works, there's a certain mysteries of how to connect to that, how to connect to Emmanuel, how to walk in the principles and the concepts of God if you want to see the evidence of God come about in this day and this hour. He said that you, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn. To be a servant of all. Go serve mankind. Go serve your church. Go serve your community. And you're in a house that believes in that principle. Go for it. And she said to his servants, now listen, everywhere else in the Bible said his disciples. Mama said, servants. Mama is teaching them If you want what he has, you need to learn to serve to where he is. I had somebody ask me years ago. I used to help oversee a large uh, outreach to Mardi Gras and street ministry and and with uh, some other ministers. And I had some people come in from a school. And and, uh, while I was walking around in a cafeteria, picking up and throwing plates away and such. And one of the girls, she's from this ministry, stopped. She said, oh, no, 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 Pastor, don't do that. I need to do that for you. You don't need to do that, Pastor. I said, listen, sweetie. I said, if what got me to where I am is what I did, I'm not going to stop doing it to be able to get to where I'm going. Peter, Paul, 
Ask him. Peter, the apostle and servant of the Lord Jesus, the apostle and servant, they never lost that place. You say, well, I already serve. Well, then you're stuck. And if you serve without growing, you become a slave without knowing. You'll start doing it out of duty instead of out of desire and passion and willingness. So if you're serving at one level, find another level to go to. Until you see the evidence and the outflow and the expression of who God is. He wants to make you great in his kingdom. He wants to use you. He said, if you believe in me, verily, verily, I say to you, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works that I do and greater works, greater works will you do. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Anything, everything, no matter what. Whatever he says to you, do it. Go for it. Obedience is doing what you're told to do, when you're told to do it, with the right heart attitude. I want to speak to you obedience. Obedience beyond attendance. Obedience beyond belief. Our belief is really only as good as what we do. We are meant to confess the Lord with our mouth, but believe in our hearts unto righteousness, that we become doers of the word and not hearers only. There's so many various ways that you hear the word of God. Friends, you live in a prophetic house. You live in a house that seeks God, hears God, preaches and speaks on the behalf of God, manifested preaching. Do what's being preached here. If it's suggested, there ought to be some movement in your life. Amen? So look what happens. Now, there were set there six water pots. Now, remember, she told her servants, told his servants to do what needed to be done. But now Jesus is getting ready to speak to release them into their fullness. She speaks, he speaks. Release takes part. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. But they're out of wine. They're out of the spirit. What does water represent? Word, washing, cleansing. Jesus says, fill it with water. He's making certain that there's no way they could think that he put something else in there. It is full of what already is. You and I have a responsibility, as he did, to fulfill the law and the righteousness and the prophets. Listen to me. If I'm not fulfilling the prophecies that have already been given to me, if I'm not living according to them, believing them, I don't need another one. But when I'm not fulfilling what has been given to me, I'm making room for something else to fill in there. He's not going to fill with anything else but other than the word. We need to be filled with the word of God. We need to be overcome with cleansing by the word of God. Amen? So he's filling them up, having them fill them up. Jesus said to them, remember the service, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to 
the brim. Here's an interesting instruction. He said, fill them. He didn't say put more in them to a convenient line. They filled until they were filled. If you want to be faithful, you need to be filled with faith. You need to build your faith to where you can fulfill what he's given you to do. You have a responsibility to fill yourself. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. But if there is no hunger, there is no thirst, there is no preparation, there is no desire, it's not going to come to pass. Amen? Come on, let's get to the end. Are you with me? So Jesus said, fill them. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now and take to the master of the feast. Now remember, they want wine. They have water. They have word, but they don't have spirit. The word of God is there who carries the spirit of God. Jesus is full of grace and truth, but he has the provision of the spirit for those who are around him. If you want to take time, you can go to Acts chapter 8. We're not going to tonight. But you can go to Acts chapter 8 and look at verses 1 through 4, and you'll find that Philip the evangelist, who had four prophetic daughters, so obviously he knew a lot about the Word and he knew a lot about the Spirit because he's raising up some prophetic girls, and his lips had been filled. That's why they called him Philip, by the way. His lips were filled, and he is preaching. It said everybody else was out preaching the Word, and it says nothing else about him. But Philip was preaching Christ... He was preaching in the spirit. He was preaching the anointing. He was preaching the Messiah. He was preaching the prophetic one. And it said there are signs, wonders, and miracles. He was preaching with the anointing, not just with the foundation. He had the wine with the water and the water with the wine. He had the fulfillment of it, and things happened. You live in a house that preaches Christ, not just the word. The letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. He said to them, draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. Excuse me. Watch this. Could you imagine? You filled it with water. You know they want wine. He's supposed to be giving them wine. He fills it up. We know that the master is out of wine and you're supposed to go tell them we have wine. And you just came from the water pots. Friends, you think I was afraid of the cow. Could you imagine going to the master of the feast and saying, here you go. And all you are is that boy or that girl with a pair of black pants, a white shirt, an apron, and maybe a bow tie, but maybe you work so hard the bow tie. You're just a servant for the catering at the wedding. Could you imagine how Philip felt when the spirit told him, go jump in that chariot? Where, where, where the, the, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch was. Now listen to me, just bear with me a second. That ought to tell you a little bit. The guy's probably a little edgy. <laughs> you didn't get that. He's a eunuch. He can't be the happiest guy on the face of the earth. And he's taking care of somebody else's money. And here comes this guy running up. It'd be kind of like if there was a Corvette or a Ferrari or some other car sitting in the corner and the Holy Spirit says, go get in that car. And you're like, what? Remember, the key to this whole thing is just do what he says. Whatever he says, anything, just do it. In other words, she was trying to say, guys, it's probably going to be crazy. That's why she said anything, everything. Now, 
Anything, everything, whatever he says, just do it. I know it's crazy, just do it. I've been with him for 30 years. I'm telling you this stuff is weird, but just do it. Just try. Obedience is going to require some death. The spirit and the flesh are contradictory to one another. Your spirit's like, yeah, and then he tells you, and you're like, no, I don't know. That might offend somebody. If you're never offensive, you'll never score. Amen? But the cross is offensive. You die to it. You carry out the will of God, the plan of God. Some people are going to be on some crazy task tomorrow. And they took it. Do you hear that? And they took it. And they took it. That doesn't sound too hard, does it? They did what they're told to do. I was walking down the streets of Houston, Texas some years ago, and just as a teaching lesson, signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs are lessons with miracles so that you can teach not what was, but what is to come. The stories that I share that have signs in them are a sign of to equip what is to come, that you and I can walk in miracles. I'm walking down the street. I've got a friend with me. We're going long ways down the road, Montrose Street, and, and we're walking up, and I see a bus stop, and there's two guys sitting at the bus stop, and the Holy Spirit says, ask them if they need a ride. You know, it's those moments you just kind of like, well, they're at a bus station. Of course they do. Well, we know in part, we prophesy in part. So really, it's not him that's kind of, uh, it's me that's kind of like, uh. But I kept walking because it didn't make any sense because our car is a mile that way. And I got a few steps past him. Remember the story of the emperor with no clothes on? I felt like I walked out of Christ. Now, I know that might seem crazy to you. I didn't say he left me. But if you can walk in the Spirit, guess what? You can walk out in the Spirit. There's a big how do you do. There's a big mess up your day tomorrow, right? You're like, oh, goodness. And so I realized, I said, Phil, we need to turn around. And I turned around and I said, excuse me, do you guys need a ride? And he says, oh, yeah, man. We, we didn't know what to do. The last bus just left here 10 minutes ago, and we don't have any way to get back. I'm like, all right, let's go. We start walking towards the car. Holy Spirit then says, I'm walking with one of my friends with the other. He says, tell him he has bitterness in his heart. Tell him he has bitterness in his heart. Now, there's, you know, there's a conversation piece, right? And I said, hey, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure about this, but kind of possibly. I don't know if you... Friends, we've got to get past this kind of prophetic, okay? I'm not sure, but there could be a, a root or, or a spud or just like a... Uh, do you even do you know what bitterness is? You know, and and uh, I don't know. Th- there might be some bitterness in your heart. I'm not sure. I'll let you determine. He goes, oh, you got no bitterness. What are you talking about bitter? I was like, whoa, that fruit, that, that root just bloomed. You know, I was like, okay. He's frustrated and angry at me now, and we're still walking. Holy Spirit says, guess what he says? Tell him he has bitterness in his heart. I was like, hey, I know you got a little offended, you know, and a little uncertain. I don't know you real well. You don't know me really well. But I, I think the Lord wants me to tell you something, so don't get mad at me. I think the Lord, you know, this is, he's telling me, but, but it's not really, you, I don't know. You think maybe you might have some bitterness in your heart? I don't know any bitterness. What are you talking about bitterness? I was like, oh, goodness. 
And the Lord's like, oh, goodness. He said, tell him he has bitterness in his heart. I said, you got bitterness in your heart. And I ducked, you know. And he starts weeping, crying. Yeah, I don't even go into the whole story because the one you talk to is going to be totally different than mine. They took it. They said it. They did it. Obedience. No more of this dodging around, skirting around. Couldn't tell you how many times people go, that's not me. All right, you walk away. You're like, really? You're making me look bad, man. They took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, when the master of the feast, the scriptures you're reading, the repentance you're doing, uh, the experiences that you're having in prayer, somewhere in the midst of all that, he's looking for somebody who will be obedient enough to carry out what he really wants to do. What he really wants to do. The water was made wine, and they did not know. They did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. I no longer call you my servant, but I call you my friend. Because a servant doesn't know what he's doing, but a friend knows all things. You see, when they started to obey him, they started to advance in their relationship with him. Nobody's really calling them. They're referencing to the ones that all they knew were servants, but now they're becoming friends of Jesus. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Now, I don't even want to fully deal with all the supernatural stuff, but there may be some regular, everyday, common stuff that we're still not being obedient in. Your obedience won't just take you into the supernatural. It'll engage you, involve you in the friendship of Jesus. There's no greater love than this, but that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Unless a weak kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There's going to come a stage, another level, another stage of death in your life through obedience in your life that's going to allow you to engage with Christ in life and to die with him and resurrect with him and to live in resurrected power, live in the supernatural, live in the miraculous. But it goes back to the abiding dwelling in him you know i remember parents used to tell you years ago don't go in and out of the cold or in and out of the house into the hot weather back because you'll get sick puny uh, not living at full potential you could catch a cold friends he'd rather us hot than cold amen and we keep going in and out of the spirit, in and out of the fire of God, in and out of the power of God, in and out of the glory of God, in and out. And we wonder why we feel like, like, like weak, sick, low Christians. We need to learn to abide in that place, dwell in that place, and not be afraid to die. Listen, your confidence level 
will go much higher in the resurrection power of God if you learn to die here instead of just waiting till you die there. Jesus said to many people, he said, there's many standing here right now who will never taste death until the return when the king comes in his glory. One of my daughters asked me, he said, what do you, what do you make of that, dad? So happy to hear that. But yet my heart started to grieve because I realized she's probably getting ready to face some death. There's some people who will not die to themselves, but have a tendency to kill themselves, but will not die to themselves. We need to learn to die with him if we want to be raised like him. If the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken you. He'll enable you. He'll power, empower you to do what needs to be done. But the servants knew the master of the feast, if I can have a musician, it'd be great, please. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, he said, every man at the beginning sets out of the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You know, I've noticed something. I've noticed it even with the, the book of Acts to a certain degree. Is it seems like they had the good wine out front. Everything in the first 14, 15, 16 chapters of the book of Acts is so exciting. And then you get over like 20, 25, 20. There's some good stuff there, but it doesn't seem to be as active as it was in the beginning. Because sometimes we have this fresh, fiery start, but then we just start to wane out a little bit. We don't seek it like we used to. Friends, this is the coming into the greatest hour, the best days the best times, the richest times. Listen to what happens here. He said, they put out the good, and then the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. How many people have you met, even still today, that they go back to their 20-year-ago, 30-year-ago salvation moment, and that's the biggest and only testimony they have? I was preaching years ago in my hometown of Naples, Florida. I went back to preach. I had a drug problem and all that kind of stuff that goes with that old life, the BC stuff before Christ. And I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Man, I'm just going for it. My dad asked me when I got home, he said, why didn't you tell them? Tell them what? I told them everything I knew. Why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you tell them? Tell them what, Dad? Why didn't you tell them you used to be a drug addict? I said, I forgot. I was giving them my present testimony. My testimony today is greater than my testimony 34 years ago. And your testimony today and the testimony of the church is not going to be a historical value. It's going to be a present empowerment and advancement of the kingdom of God. He said, you set the best for the end. You've kept the good wine until now. Remember, Jesus did a sign. He's doing a sign. It's a, it's a mark and a token. It is not of what was, but it's what is to come. He's trying to show them I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. What I started is going to get better. You are getting ready to step into the greatest days, the best days, the body of Christ the church has ever walked in. The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. A miracle with a lesson tied to it. Listen to this. 
Jesus did in came to Galilee and manifested his glory. And manifested his glory. Would you stand with me for just a moment? In this house, and I feel like a part of the body here. I feel like a part of the family. But as I stand before you, in this house, in our house, the well in Scottsboro, hundreds of others are contending for the glory of God, are pressing into the hundred days of glory, for His glory to come, for His manifested glory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. His glory covers the earth. But friends, right now, it's not as manifested as it's getting ready to be. I'm telling you, a mystery lies within this. No man can do what you are doing unless God is with him. Man affested glory. Glory and man. The manifested glory is going to come through men and women of God who are living in the presence of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If he could lower himself to dwell with us and that we could raise ourselves to dwell with him. Amen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory. What you behold is what you become. He's invited us and given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, everything spiritual and everything natural, that we could become partakers of his divine nature of glory and virtue. When Jesus was walking down the road and that woman reached in and touched the hem of his garment, he said glory came out of him. Glory came out of him. Friends, the new wine is going to be a new grapes. People who aren't afraid to be crushed, even though good and new things are happening in their life. So they can come out of them what he put in them. The wine, the healing, the death, the bleeding, to produce more fruit. You can't get to the seed if you don't cut through the skin. Amen? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory in the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me ask you a question. What are you full of? What are we full of? Are we full of grace? Are we full of truth? Jesus said the number one thing you need to be concerned about and aware of in these days, do not be deceived. You got to know the truth, amen? But let's take Jesus the word became flesh is there the possibility that the flesh could become word is there the possibility that our life is under the utterance of God the word of God done in God done with God Jesus didn't do anything nothing but what he heard and what he saw what the Bible says did nothing now if you were to take time and stop and go back over today 
and look back and wonder why nothing great came out of today, if nothing great came out of today, you might realize how little you did by hearing and seeing. Anything you do in and of yourself will become nothing. Jesus said, I can do nothing in and of myself. But only what the Father reveals to me. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from that Holy Ghost pinata up above you. That breaker anointing to get the open heaven. Friends, I honestly believe with respect to where we stand in the frame that we're in right now, that God is opening the heavens over this house. A fresh, another level of open heaven. We don't have time to go into the first, second, and third heaven. You're saying, what are you talking about? In the the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Plural. Paul was in the third heaven. Do your math. Jesus said, no man has ascended into heaven. Paul's in the third heaven. Had to go through the first and second. I'm declaring an open heaven over your life. But I'm saying to you, do what you see, do what you hear. Obey what he says. Just do it. Go for it. Whatever it is, be obedient. Now, I mind you, when I first heard that, verily, verily, if you believe me, you do the same works I do in greater works. Man, I thought I was going to go heal the world. I thought I was going to cast out every single devil there was. I was going to go tell Reinhardt to move over, let me have my hour. I thought it was all going to get done. And a gracious, humble man looked at me as I shared with him all that scripture, what it meant to me. He said, well, don't you think you ought to first do the same things? What does that mean? This is how Jesus Christ was anointed. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. This is how Jesus Christ was anointed. He went around doing good to all and healing every type of disease. And listen to me, friends. If we can't heal them, let's at least help them. Let's get gooder and gooder and gooder. Look at your neighbor and say, gooder. Chattanooga's in the south. You can say that, gooder. I mean, I want to be a little bit more obedient. I'm going to ask you if you have a desire to be more obedient, more useful, more available to God. You're not afraid to die. Not afraid to die a spiritual death, to lay yourself down. I'm going to ask you to quickly just come step in this altar. I'm going to pray a general prayer over us. Come down here and stand in this area. Can I say something to you? And I say this cautiously, a little bit of trembling in my knees. I submit this to Pastor Rick and Pastor Ryan, what I'm getting ready to say. It's nothing dangerous, guys. You know, a lot of times when I come to a church, God will give me, like with Anna, a prophetic word. And and I love that aspect of ministry. I love it. And then I'll come back to a church and like, man, I hear you have a prophetic gift. And I'll say, well, I used to. Like, what do you mean you used to? I mean, what horrific sin did you do? 
I'm like, well, if it's a gift, when I had it, I gave it away. My gifting is not my identity. It's not even my function. But if I were to stand in a prophetic office, my ultimate responsibility is not just to give and distribute, is to equip and train. Matter of fact, I think if there's anything in the prophetic in America needs to know right now, less predicting, more equipping. You need to understand, you're the water pots right now. He just filled you with his word. He just put the water in there. Now he's going to whisper to you. He might have to shout to you. He might nudge you. He might prompt you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll instruct you. He'll give you instruction. He'll give you commands. As you're obedient, that water is going to turn to wine that water and then who did he let get the credit this is crazy stuff the bridegroom the bridegroom well I got news for you who the bridegroom is to me spiritually I'm the bride he's the groom and we become one we've got to learn to give all that glory to him all that praise to him amen So you're being equipped tonight. A different angle, different perspective. But look at where you are. You're willing to obey. Obedience. Listen, you're getting ready to experience resurrection power. Because you're literally going to experience some self-denial or some death through your obedience. But it's going to produce fruit. This church is probably, I'm not going to give a time frame, but you're about that far away from Wednesday nights, the sanctuary being packed. Why? Every, every grape seed has a cluster connected to it. What's in the seed? It's all already there. But what good does that seed have done get planted? Listen to me. I don't have time to do this. Listen. You're going to impact other people's lives. Many will come here. Some will go other places just as long as they come to Jesus. Amen. I want you to do something a little bit different tonight. She's doing it right now. Put your hands out like this instead of up high. Put them out like this. Don't be afraid. And say this. Nail me, Jesus. Nail me. Pierce me with the spirit of your word. Slay me and I'll trust you more. Command me and I'll obey you. I surrender. I give over my heart, my soul, my mind, and my body to your service. I will do Whatever you tell me to do, Jesus, speak. Your servant listens. Use me. Use us 
for your glory. As you, the Word of God, became flesh, may I, the flesh of God, become the Word of God. And may they behold your glory. I surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a praise real quick? Can we give him a praise? I need this lady right here. I need you to step up real quick. Yeah, we're not going to go long. Stick with me to say, yes, you are. That's right. That's right. Father, I thank you that you have her heart covered. Father, I thank you that you have the pace and the rate of her heart physically and spiritually covered. Father, I pray over any grief and over any sorrow, over any pain that would ever try to climb upon her and to hold her back from all that you have for her. You're a minister of joy and you're a minister of peace. You have fought a lot of battles for other people and you had to fight some battles against some people. But the Lord says, I'm the Lord your God who will take vengeance. I'm the Lord your God who will repay evil to those who have shown evil and those who have, who have disrespected and disregarded you for who you really are. I declare to you tonight, you are my princes. I declare to you tonight that you are a jewel in my hand. And I declare to you tonight that I have a key that will unlock your heart to joy unspeakable and full of glory. I say to you, that you are fearfully, that you are wonderfully and marvelously made. And I want you to know that I see you with great delight and with great joy. I bless you and I speak health. There's even little tremors that come in certain areas there. There's little things that just like anxiety issues that will rise up there. I speak peace over your body, rest over your body, and that you'll be well in Jesus' name. No fear of sickness no fear of disease. I break that and I bust that off of you tonight in Jesus' name. And I take a shackle off of you that was somebody else's shame, somebody else's misuse. I break that off of you right now in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, I break every chain, says the Lord, and loose you into a new level of freedom. You're going to wake up tomorrow breathing deeper. You're going to wake up tomorrow moving quicker. You're going to wake up tomorrow enjoying and respecting and appreciating the daylight that the Lord gives you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want want to overstep any time, friend. We have a few minutes. Is that cool? We good? All right, good. All right, good. All right, so um, this gentleman right here with the, uh, yep, you just turned. That's right. That's right. Come on, come on. Come on over here. Yeah. Uh, Father, I speak to every joint that was disjointed in his life. There was somebody who did not stay connected, did not stay involved at a certain time. The Bible says if we're fitly joined together, there'll be the fulfillment, there'll be a strength, there'll be supplication that will come into our lives. And the Lord says, I have you in this place. I have you in this place that I can supply to you a spirit of grace and a spirit of wonder and a spirit of courage. And I declare over you right now that your faith is getting ready to awaken. 
And they're not just for you, but for others. You're a compassionate person. You care about other people. And where care for God's you, I am remembering all things that I have for you. And I'm getting ready to do an accelerated work in your life. I'm getting ready to restore from the year 7 up to the year 14. There was a huge gap in your life. There was a lot of left out in that time of your life. And I'm going to fill that gap, says the Lord. And I'm going to use you, says the Lord. And I'm going to use you to tend to and care for other people. And I even see some nursing-like uh, a gifting that's going to take place in your life uh, to help bring people back to strength and back to hope. And the Lord says, stay stay. Do not move quickly. Stay. That would be an instruction to you. Uh, I just really feel like uh, the Lord is going to, has a transforming work and an, an establishing work that he's going to do in your life that you'll be known as a son of this house, that you'll be known as a son of this house. I, the Lord your God, am a father, and I will not leave you fatherless, says the Lord. And I've been going to bring you into a deep relationship of a family that will bless you and increase you with great measure of favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This lady with the Tennessee, uh, that could be about anybody in here right now, probably. Uh, yeah, Tennessee sweatshirt on right there. And the one with the black right there, if you come up here also a second. If you guys could come stand right here, excuse me, guys. And what's your name? Misty. Father, I lay my hands upon Misty. Misty, I feel like the Lord, uh, sometimes when I ask a name, it's like it gives me something to work with off of that. Uh, as seeing there, uh, you've had a misty season. You've had a uh, just kind of a, a, a moist in your eyes and just a, a place there of just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, kind of a weepy uh, season there. But the Lord wants you to know that you're actually a hydrant and you're actually an irrigation system. And the Lord wants you to know that uh, there's a lot of things that people might look at and go, why she say that or why would she say that or why is she not doing this and question it a lot and you're concerned about whether they question you but the Lord wants you to know that you're you're important in other people's lives to resource them and to give them things you have a prophetic gift inside of you there's words of wisdom words of knowledge and there's uh, exhortations and encouragement and there's just things that you'll know and you'll just say things and it won't matter as much or mean much to you but it's going to mean anything and everything to them that they need in that situation and the Lord says I know that irrigation runs under Underneath and it runs underneath, and then it pops up, and that's what you're going to be. You're going to come out of being known, out of being recognized, out of being uh, uh, not seen, and you're just going to pop up in people's life, and you're going to help uh, refresh and help uh, uh, bring forth uh, what is needed in their life, and you're going to know their pain. You're going to know their hurt. You're going to know what they're suffering with, and you're going to understand that because you've been through these kind of things, and you know those feelings, and you're going to help to bring uh, uh, just healing uh, to the soul and healing to the mind and restoration to people. You are my servant, says the Lord, and listen closely to me because you're going to recognize some things that you've been doing were things that I was telling you to do that you didn't even realize I was telling you to do these things, but now you're getting ready to hear more clearly and to move more freely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's come over here. What's your name? Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, uh, the Lord delights in you. Uh, the Lord takes great pleasure in you. But others delight and take great pleasure also. You are considered higher than you would consider yourself. 
and others are thankful for you and appreciative for you. I'm going to extend my thankfulness to you, says the Lord, and you're going to see favor starting to show up in your, in your life and in your box and in your inbox and in your outbox, and you're going to see things are starting to mount up. The Lord says, I cannot withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly, and because you have chosen to take the right path, and even others did not want to take a path that you have stood for, I'm getting ready to honor you for the path in which you stand and the course in which you walk. I bless you this night, and I encourage you this night, and you're going to feel a welling up of strength and of power, and I've seen your generosity, and I've seen your kindness, and others have not seen it, but we're not meant to see it, but I have seen, and I'm going to make you seen in a different way, and honored in a different way than you could ever dream, says the Lord, in Jesus' name, fresh anointed Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can I pray for you? Is that okay? How young are you? 58. 58, that's what I am, I think. Father, I lay hands upon this man. And Lord, remove the marks of other fingerprints I take off of him where people laid things on him that were not supposed to ever get near to him and I break that shell and I just speak a coming forth in your life I speak a work of renewal I speak a grace upon you as I spoke earlier I don't want to get away from the equipping As I spoke earlier, serve like an ant. I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that he's going to give you opportunities and make you aware of situations to where you can serve without anybody even knowing. And this is a season for you to give. It's a season for you to uh, engage and be involved Now, when I see the the word involved, I see the letters moved around. I see in love, okay, loved in, and you want, sometimes it's hard for you to receive and to accept that you're loved. The scripture says, do not love, uh, 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 you have to love others as you love yourself. And I'm just going to pray a baptism of love to come on you, and you're going to have this uncanny experience to realize that you are loved, nothing is held against you. And I speak a baptism of love upon you. And I even see you calling somebody. And they're going to melt on the other side after the second or third call or text. And they're going to be like, oh, my goodness. I've never felt love like this before. Let's receive that. 